Man, it is Wednesday already. Uh, I guess it feels uh, a little different since we weren't here on Monday. How's everybody doing? We got some rain in the area today. It's coming back. It's overcast here in Norman. But welcome in on a uh, Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Rep Radio Network. First hour is always brought to you by a great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Family owned and operated servicing the greater OKC area for 15 years now, all the way back to 2000. 2007. They'll do a great job for you. They've worked on our home a couple times when we needed some uh, AC uh, issues resolved. And guess what? They got them resolved and they did it at a very fair price. You can call them up at 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. As always, we look for your texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. We've got the NBA Finals tipping off uh, tomorrow night. It was bad news yesterday for the uh, state golf teams with number one Oklahoma falling in the quarterfinals to Arizona State. The Cowboys fell to Texas. That was disappointing, but we've got the Women's College World Series opening up tomorrow, 1.30 for the Sooners as they get ready for a matchup with Northwestern. And, of course, uh, the Cowgirls will play the late game uh, tomorrow night, Oklahoma State and Red Hot Arizona, 8.30 on ESPN. So regional baseball happening for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Sooners in Gainesville taking on Liberty Friday at noon, Florida and Central Michigan. In the other half of the bracket there at Obrade Stadium in Stillwater, the Cowboys will play Missouri State at 6 o'clock uh, at Obrade Stadium again on Friday. First game out will be Arkansas and Grand Canyon at noon in Stillwater on Friday. So, Parker, I understand uh, you went camping this morning, correct? <laughs> I did go camping. So it's day one of the Brent Venables football camp series at the University of Oklahoma. So, uh, rolled in about 10 a.m. for the first session and hightailed it over here around 11.45. Right as it was starting to pour down rain, I was half walking, half running back to my car trying to keep my camera and lens covered up from the rain. But, no, this should be a fun couple of weeks. Going to have some elite talent coming through Norman. Some already have offers, some looking to earn offers. And uh, there was plenty of talent out there on the field today at every position group. Really fun to see this new Sooner staff working with the prospects that they've scouted and personally invited to these camps uh, with the hope that, hey, maybe one day a handful of these guys are going to join the Sooner tradition. Was uh, Miguel Chavis in cleats again today? Miguel Chavis was in cleats and a sleeveless hoodie. Really? Yes. I kind of like the sleeveless hoodie look. They're hard to find, though. You've got to Bill Belichick those, yeah, don't you? Gotta, you you really got to make do, it's, your own. It's a DIY project, those are, right? I don't know that you can buy those. You probably can somewhere, I'm sure, but you don't see them uh, in a retail like a you know a fan shop or anything. I haven't seen any of those, but yeah, you've got to break out the scissors and pull a Belichick on those. So I'm guessing that's what Miguel Chavis did. So tell me about some of the prospects that are out there today at the camp. Yeah, so uh, obviously there are two sessions today. One in the morning, one in the afternoon. So I'll head back after the conclusion of Locked In from 2 to 3 p.m. with myself and Tyler McComas. We'll, we'll, we will talk all things Sooner Recruiting. But uh, early session, uh, some of the standouts included J.P. Mylovsky, uh, quarterback from California, St. John Bosco, 2025 kid. Uh, really displayed a nice arm. Walker White, another quarterback from the state of Arkansas. Wait a minute, you said Walter White? Walker White. From Albuquerque? <laughs> 
<laughs> Walker White, four-star quarterback from the class of 2024, was there as well. Those were two of the guys that stood out amongst the quarterbacks. Landon Hale, a 2023 defensive back from Uly, Florida, really looked fluid in his sessions. Uh, I was just – the interesting thing about this camp and the way that Brent Venables and his staff are running it, they not only have them all split up by positional classifications, but they have them split up all across campus. So the quarterbacks and receivers and running backs – we're all in the indoor. The defensive backs and linebackers were outside uh, at the track and field complex. And then across the street at the Switzer Center, you had offensive and defensive linemen. Another guy that really stood out to me, uh, three-star offensive lineman Trevor Gooseby, who's committed to TCU but has visited Oklahoma multiple times already this spring. I know that OU offer is one he wants. So if Bill Bedenboe decides to dole it out, I think the Sooners could be in the hunt to flip Trevor Gooseby. But – as you look at all the offensive linemen set to come to Oklahoma this weekend for the Champu Barbecue, Beatenbow is going to have a class full of road graders one way or another. So you're not really too worried about the offensive line haul that Beatenbow is going to bring in here in the class of 2023. All right, so uh, Champu Barbecue this weekend. Everybody's going to be getting here on Friday. This is a huge uh, recruiting weekend coming up for Oklahoma with what is it approaching 40 kids now coming uh, in? I think we're somewhere in the range of 30 to 35. Okay. I got to double check the exact numbers, but yeah, uh, we, we will be fast approaching 40. And is there another fairly big weekend coming after that? Yeah. Okay. It, it depends on what you categorize as a fairly big weekend because this is really this is going to be the Sooners' one big yeah. official visit weekend of the summer. This so, is the big one. Yeah, they obviously. are they are banking on this weekend being significant in terms of being able to score some commitments in the immediate aftermath, being able to lock guys down. A uh, couple official visitors next weekend, but nothing to this scale, I don't think, for the remainder of the year. The Sooners will once again have one big official visit weekend this fall, but the hope is that you have most of your class committed by then, so you don't need to have as many official visitors on campus in season as you do this weekend, June 3rd through the 5th. I see that uh, Stacy Gage is going to Florida this weekend. Is that right? Uh, I think Florida State. He was just at Florida A&M. But, yeah, he's making the rounds down there. Okay. And you still feel really good about him, the 2024 number one running back I do. in the country, ending up at Oklahoma. Yes, indeed. All right. What's going on uh, with uh, David Hicks? <laughs> what isn't going on with David Hicks? Uh, apparently he wasn't going to visit Texas A&M again until it was official visit time. Lo and behold, he's going to visit there later this week. He's going back to the 40 acres visiting Texas. Uh, recently he just visited Oklahoma this past weekend. So that's encouraging for Sooner fans. Uh, he's been up to Oregon recently. He's going up to Michigan state in the not too distant future. So, uh, this is a recruitment that to the naked eye, to the casual observer is still pretty wide open, but I think those that are tuned in to the goings-on and David Hicks recruitment will tell you it's Oklahoma or it's Texas A&M at this point and my gut has kind of always been Texas A&M but man if Todd Bates and Brent Venables can snatch this guy out of Jimbo Fisher's clutches that is a statement and that is a huge victory for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail because make no mistake about it I am comfortable asserting this there is no better prospect in the class of 2023 regardless of position than David Hicks. That guy is an NFL franchise cornerstone one day. That's how good he is. Number one defensive lineman in the country, and everybody wants this kid. 
from Katy, Texas, and the Sooners have a shot. If you could get two Davids back to back, David uh, David Hicks and then David Stone. Well, you're going to get David Stone. You think it's <laughs> definite? Is, yes, I do. You yes, still do. Say, you're, you're going 100%. 100% on uh, David Stone and 100% on Stacey I, Gage? I, I will never say 100% on any prospect. All right, but no, 99? 98% on All right, David well, Stone. Sooner fans can feel good about that. But if you got those guys back-to-back classes somehow, you're looking at – that's like getting uh, two Gerald McCoys, right? It really is. And I think long-term DJ Hicks has the potential to be better than Gerald McCoy at both the collegiate and professional level. Who this is, kid's a game-changer. This weekend, who, in your opinion, is the – you know, everybody's a priority or they wouldn't be here, obviously. But, look, some of those guys are higher-ranked and wanted by everybody – who are the guys that Sooner fans are looking at and that, you know, like I said, the coaches are treating them all the same. I get that, but there are obviously some priorities coming in this weekend that stand out. I would say at the top of the list for me, and you can very easily point to the five stars, right? Anthony right. Hill, Richard Young. The reality is I'm not really sure – that Anthony Hill or Richard Young end up at Oklahoma. I don't think there's any way Richard Young ends up at Oklahoma. You're looking, that at, clear. You're looking think, at reality yeah. uh, more of somebody that you think is maybe better than 60% to come to Oklahoma. Let me tell you this much. I think the Sooners will be looking to make a big move this weekend in the recruitment of Jaquazy Petaway, who is the number 51 overall prospect in the country regardless of position. So he's encroaching on five-star territory. Five foot 170-pound speedster out of Houston, Texas, goes to Langham Creek High School. He has already been to Oklahoma twice thus far in the year of our Lord 2022. He's taken the official visit this weekend. This is a recruitment that's tough to glean tangible information on, and it's really tough to get to the bottom of where exactly Petaway's head is at. But there are those who believe that OU was in the driver's seat for Petaway, and especially after they lost Ashton Cozart's commitment a couple weeks back, you got to have a cornerstone wide receiver in this cycle. And you look at probably the most likely candidate right now is Mikhail Harrison Pilot out of Temple, Texas. But if the Sooners can get Jaquazy Petaway, if they can keep him away from Ohio State and LSU and A&M and get him to Norman, Oklahoma, that is a huge win for this staff. Yeah, and you got to win a, those battles. It, you got to win some of those. And it's it's a testament to Jeff Lebby's recruiting prowess more than anything else because that is the type of recruitment that signals, and that would be the type of win that signals to the rest of the country, hey, you know what? Even though Mule Shoe left, offense isn't going anywhere in Norman, Oklahoma. We got our guy in Jeff Lebby as the new offensive mastermind. And he is more than capable of doing everything that Mule Shoe did with this offense and more. Yeah, that would be a huge win for Oklahoma. And like I said, you've got to win some of those battles. You've got to win your fair share of those battles to continue to be Oklahoma. And, you know, you've got to knock some out of the park. And you've got to hit some grand slams with those five stars. And, uh, you know, I know everybody, a lot of people are talking about 2024. And you look at uh, David Stone, you look at Stacey Gage, guys like that. The Sooners are set up to have a big 2024. And uh, we've also talked about where Oklahoma is team-wise right now in the 2023 rankings. And uh, it's very early. And we know that Brent's approach is, again, you're not committed to us if you're still taking visits. So we have talked about this uh, like it's a marathon. 
it's not a sprint for Oklahoma. But still, I think some Sooner fans are uh, not really getting totally restless right now, but they will start to. They'll expect after Champion Barbecue, after a couple weeks, to see you know three or four commitments rolling in and hopefully some good ones for Oklahoma. So anyway, we're just underway here on a Wednesday. Welcome in. Appreciate you guys being here. And uh, we will look forward to your texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Greg Sankey talking about what's going on with the SEC. You get the Big 12 meetings, the Suits meeting today. We never talked yesterday about the great slapping incident, Tommy Pham and uh, Jock Peterson in a fantasy football dispute, and now Mike Trout is being called out as the commissioner of that league. And Liv Goff, man, Taylor Gooch is going to be playing in London. So is Dustin Johnson. DJ, I thought you said you were fully committed to the PGA Tour. I guess not. No Phil yet, no Ricky Fowler yet. We'll talk about that more when we get back. All right, it is a Wednesday. Thank you for joining us. Going to the text line here one second. Uh, Riverwind Casino, man, what a show that was over the weekend on Saturday night with uh, Starship and Night Ranger on the Beats and Bites stage kicking off Beats and Bites 2022. 10,000 in attendance. Night Ranger put it out on their Twitter account. I think they were pretty impressed with the turnout. And it was a big-time show. Great food out there with all the food trucks and uh, just a really relaxing, cool place to hang out. We went out there with some friends and uh, just had a great time at Beats and Bites, the kickoff show, Starship and Night Ranger last Saturday. Next up in June will be Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. That is on June 18th. You can get your tickets online right now at Riverwind.com. Each individual ticket's only $5.00. It was a great time last week. It'll be a great time June 18th with Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something. And then two great shows in July, the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th. They'll have a fireworks show right after the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th. And then Scotty McCreary, get that really popular song, Damn Straight Out right now and uh, that'll be a big time show as well coming up on july 30th so that's happening at beats and bites 2022 all the great food trucks retail vendors great food out there great fun out there craft beer from coop ale works and uh last week was a great time some really good memories here in those starship songs and night ranger and uh the rest of the schedule is going to be spectacular as well so any of the uh, tickets that you're looking for are available right now online or at the box office at the casino, but you can get them online at riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece, and that is a bargain. Let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. What do we have, Parker Thune? One listener asks, Parker, did you double-check the schedule this time? Yes, I did. So you didn't show up with nobody there, huh? No, fortunately I did not. Uh, another asks, any chance Levy gets restless with pursuing DJ Lagway and just goes all in on Michael Hawkins? And yeah, there's a definite chance. I think it, it, it depends on how the next couple months go in particular because I think with a guy like DJ Lagway, he's probably not going to want to wait to commit especially when you see other guys in the 2024 class like Dylan Riola locking down their spot early in the process. You see that more with the quarterbacks, right? You you do. A lot of them want to commit early so they can be the guy at one of these blue bloods, Mm -hmm. i.e. Dylan Riola at Ohio State. So regardless of where DJ Lagway picks, regardless of what school is his ultimate choice, 
If that's Oklahoma, then great. If not, I think that's a decision that probably happens in the not-too-distant future. And then at that point, you throw the kitchen sink at Michael Hawkins. You said that you like Michael Hawkins better, though, if you had to pick between the two? No, I, I don't know if I would go that far. Lagway's special, man. So you do Lag, like Lagway Lagway's better. just one of those dudes. But I do think the gap between him and Hawkins is not very large. I think Hawkins is underrated right now. He's a top 150 prospect, but I think he has a potential to be a top 50 prospect when it's all said and done. In the 2020, and Lagway season. just got offered by Muleshoe. He did got a Clemson offer as well. So Lagway is going to have his pick of the litter, with the obvious exception of Ohio State. But he'll be able to go anywhere. All right, uh, let's see. We've got another one on there about uh, Javon Harvey and Peyton Bowen. Yeah. So when does when does Peyton Bo- Bowen visit? That's the million dollar question now, isn't it? Uh, there's a chance he shows up this weekend. There's a chance. If he does show up this weekend, he's probably going to flip. And I know we, it, it, we've, been, we've been tossing around the rumblings and the rumors about Peyton Bowen potentially flipping for what seems like three or four months now. I guess it really has been that long. But this is a recruitment that a lot of folks feel is going to end up swinging in Oklahoma's direction one way or another there's not a lot of belief that his commitment with Notre Dame is going to stick so yeah keep close tabs on the Peyton Bowen situation we certainly will and as that situation uh, becomes more well, I guess gains more clarity we'll update accordingly Jabron Harvey not quite sure what the returns on him, his visit are yet that visit started yesterday which would mean it's wrapping up today Uh, So we'll soon find out what exactly the vibes are between the four-star edge rusher out of North Carolina and the Sooners. But obviously, uh, Oklahoma has cast a pretty broad net at the edge position. And a lot of guys right now, they are very much in play for not only Harvey, but Colton Vosick from Austin, Blake Purchase out of Cherry Creek, Colorado, then obviously P.J. out of Barre and by Job. Uh, The two that you would figure are – the ones that would be highest on Oklahoma's board. They've been pursuing Job fervently from pretty much the get-go when this new staff arrived. And Adabare is a guy that they pinpointed, hosted, and very soon took a significant lead for. Any uh, news? Because it seems like there's something uh, daily that we hear about Dylan Edwards. I know we talked about him a lot yesterday, but any developments on that front? I mean, he's. We know a decision's coming soon, decision's right? He's coming soon. He's on campus this weekend. So I think a lot hinges on how this official visit goes because I think in Dylan Edwards' heart of hearts, he wants to be at Oklahoma. I just don't know what's. There's a lot of some, pressure. There's something holding him back at this point. And I don't know if it's the desire to want to pull one over on everybody and surprise people because all the the 24 seven sports crystal ball right now unanimously favors Oklahoma. So I know Dylan's one of those kids where uh, he, he likes a little bit of the flair. So maybe it's as simple as, you know, he doesn't want, he doesn't want it to feel like he's doing what everybody expects him to do. That could be why this process is getting dragged out. But Nebraska's a player, Jackson state's a player. There's a chance Oklahoma secures Dylan Edwards' commitment this weekend. I think that's well within the realm of possibility. But, again, 
That is not a recruitment that I, I think anybody is qualified to prognosticate with any aura of definitiveness on just because it's had twist and turn after twist and turn. All right, so we'll uh, wait and see what's going to happen there, but that certainly is going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. But again, uh, Champion Barbecue coming up this weekend. Uh, and some of the uh, signees from last year's class are now on campus at OU. Some of those guys obviously were in uh, during the spring. You got a chance to see, you know, Nick Evers a little bit, Javante Barnes and others. And now Gavin Sawchuk is on campus and getting ready to go start working out with Schmitty. So you're seeing a lot of those guys showing up now, and uh, life is going to be changing. And this is really when uh, the Schmitty effect, I think, comes into play even more than it did initially. Did you see what Kanai Walker tweeted yesterday? <laughs> I did not see what Caleb tweeted out. Was it this the like the new awakening is coming? No, or no, no, no. So Kanai Walker got on Twitter, and he was like, he tweeted something about, you know, your your typical yeah. like motivational day one of workouts and then at the end he adds schmitty killed me today i ain't gonna lie now yes good you want to see that man you want to see that and he's he's got a chance to play quite a bit no doubt about it uh so we'll see what's going to happen there but yeah everybody talked about it's, okay here you go unfinished business ninja emoji psa schmidt killed me today no cap <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, everybody talked about the uh, the summer sessions. Summer school with Jerry Schmidt is a very difficult course, but you will learn a lot about yourself and a lot about uh, your limits, apparently, with Schmidt in the summer. And he's already been working with those guys. And uh, But from what I hear, and I'm sure Teddy can attest to this, obviously, is that uh, the, the big test, uh, the – tougher test is in the summer so we'll see all right it is good to have you with us on a wednesday and once again we want to thank tim lasher lasher home comfort systems a great company you need your ac worked on right now you need a little tune-up well give tim lasher and lasher home comfort systems a call they've been in business for 15 years in the Oklahoma city area 405-579-3113 that's 405-579-3113 let's talk about the college football playoff. What needs to happen? Is there any leadership in college football out there at all? Do we need a czar? Do we need a commissioner? I think we do. We'll talk about that when we get back here on The Ref. Keep it here. Okay, we're back. It is a Wednesday. Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Network. Appreciate you being with us today. 405 405- 651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's 405-651-3439. All right, uh, so the SEC meeting's happening, and uh, Greg Sankey, clearly the most powerful commissioner in college football. And, uh, you know, it looked like for a while we were heading to a 12-team playoff, right? And then the Alliance got angry. The ACC and the Alliance got angry about the SEC and decided, no, they didn't want the SEC to have their way. So we're still looking right now at a 14 playoff through 2025. Could that change? We'll see. But there is no doubt, as Oklahoma you know, is poised to head to the SEC eventually, 
We still don't know exactly when, but you need to have an 18 playoff or a 12 team playoff. Greg Sankey has talked about, you know, he's open to an 18 playoff, the SEC commissioner, without automatic qualifiers. They've said they might, maybe, probably not, though, consider without, uh, with, because if you get automatic qualifiers, you've got five in, boom, just like that. Uh, without the automatic qualifiers, I mean, you just don't want somebody that wins a conference that's not very good and wins a very weak conference, you know, replacing somebody who is, you know, the third best team in the ACC, but would clearly be the class of another conference. So hopefully, I think if you're a Sooner fan, you want this. You need this because your path to the playoff is going to get much more difficult. If it stays at four teams, it's going to get really difficult. And that's one of the reasons why the weasel, Neil Shue, ran out to the Pac-12 because he's got, you know, the easy button that he can push. If he gets USC rolling out there, and I think there's a chance that he will, uh, particularly be able to possibly – you know, be the lead dog in that conference. Oregon's going to have some stuff to say about that. Utah's still going to have some stuff to say about that. Uh, it's not going to be automatic for SC, but SC is, if you get it going out there, that is the best and most tradition-rich program out there. Okay, I have a question. All right. right. I want to pose this question to you. Who's going to be the thorn in Muleshoe's side in the Pac-12? And when I say the thorn in his side... I'm talking about who's going to be the Kansas State of the Pac-12. So not Oregon, not Utah, not one of those that you would consider the heavy hitters in the Pac-12. But who's going to be the team that Muleshoe struggles to beat every single year? Hmm. Well, UCLA's a rival, and then I'm thinking maybe Stanford? I don't know, but Stanford hasn't been very good. They were, what, 2-7 and a year ago? David Shaw, that program, has slipped. Washington always has potential. They haven't been very good lately. Uh, you want to know who I think it could be? Yeah. Arizona. Really? Yeah. Jed Fish and the Wildcats. Now, they went 1-11 last year. Yeah. So they are not very good right now. Yeah, Stanford was 2-7 in the league, by the way, 3-9 and nine overall. Yeah, but what Arizona does have going for them is they're starting to recruit well. They're establishing a culture. And its I don't think it's ever going to be the type of thing down there in Tucson where they are winning 10, 11 games a season. But I can see them getting to the point where, kind of like they were under Kevin Sumlin there and with Mark Stoops for a while as well, where they're winning seven, eight, even nine games at times, consistent but unspectacular. And they have the ability to give a much more talented team a lot of problems because of the way that they play the game. I can see some parallels to what Arizona can become versus what Kansas State has been over the last few years under Chris Kleiman, which Muleshoe has struggled with. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Utah, obviously, this year it, they have to go to uh, on the road to play Utah. UCLA, you know, you always think that – and UCLA did beat Southern Cal last year. I think UCLA was 8-4. and four. But I don't know. Like I said, if if he starts recruiting at a high level, and he probably will, I mean, you look at – I know a lot of the kids that were committed to Oklahoma, Malachi Nelson, uh, among the one that everybody thinks about first, you know, right there with Arch Manning as the top quarterback in in that class, then SC has a chance to really win a lot of games. But, again, the question is, can they clear that hurdle of winning in the playoff? Because certainly – 
you know, Oklahoma nearly cleared it in the Georgia matchup. Other than that, they 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 couldn't clear the hurdle, didn't come close in the other games. But in terms of getting to an 8 or 12 team playoff, I mean, this is crucial for Oklahoma moving forward. And uh, I I don't know. It just seems to me like you talk about the ACC and the Alliance basically thought, you know what? We don't like this power move the SEC pulled off. This is not cool with us. Uh, you know, Greg Sankey's trying to play chess here. I know we've been playing checkers, but you know what? We're going to – we are – going to block his next move and the SEC's next move. And, all right, you want to bring in Oklahoma and Texas? You know what? We'll just keep the playoff at four teams as long as we can and try and block that. So I think, again, uh, for Oklahoma fans, down the road, you need to get to eight teams uh, or even 12 teams. Do you like eight or 12? Do you have a preference? I say eight. Eight seems more symmetrical to me, and 12 seems – almost not exclusive enough because at that point you open it up to 12 teams the cream of the crop in college football every year the clear top tier is generally six or seven teams yeah after that there's a pretty conspicuous drop off between those teams and the rest of the field so to me i don't mind eight 12 seems like too many yeah and we've had blowouts in the semifinal games obviously so but I, I think the more the merrier. I don't want to go beyond 12. I think that would be too much. And, and I would prefer eight, too. But if you get automatic qualifiers, you get your five power conference champions, uh, then there's a chance the SEC, you know, uh, usually the SEC is getting two teams in anyway, it seems like. Last year they got the championship game of Georgia winning. But there is a chance – a very good chance that most years you're still going to get three SEC teams teams in, the conference champion, and then possibly two others. Um, and, again, that's still, for Oklahoma, you know, still going to be challenging. I, I think the Sooners, again, once they get going, and if Brent Venables takes off in this new philosophy and uh, tougher defense and, uh, you know, being uh, a more physical type team, not just a finesse team that's really good on offense and eh, we're maybe okay in certain games on defense that won't fly in the sec but you need to at least get to eights uh let's see what everybody else has to say one says oregon state will be his new kansas state another says lr will struggle year in and year out with colorado okay us ucla notre dame or stanford i don't really count notre dame you can't say Notre Dame is going to be Mule Shoes Kansas State because Notre Dame is way too good of a program to be likened to Kansas State. Last okay. game of the year coming up next year, that matchup with Notre Dame. Like I said, if SC wins that game at Utah, it could be a problem. But you it would could ex- be, but I'm still counting on Marcus Freeman to beat the brakes off Mule Shoe and the Trojans. And Kyle Whittingham in Utah. And maybe who else? Uh, man, UCLA. Is, is Mule Shoe ready to play Kyle Whittingham? I don't know. Like, Utah's a very good defensive team. Yes, they are. Every single year. You think they'll rush three and drop eight? <laughs> I have no doubt they'll rush three and drop eight. But legit, you put Muleshoe up against Utah, there's a very good chance that offense just completely sputters. I'm not saying it happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying to expect that. But, like, there is a world in which those two, team match, those two teams match up and USC – puts up like two scoring drives yeah and he's i know they don't play this year but is dan lanning going to change the uh the culture there at oregon because you always think of oregon a little bit the way you thought of oklahoma under lincoln riley right muleshoe 
and that is flashy offense, man, cool uniforms, all of that stuff. And then nah, the defense is all right, but not great. Yeah, Oregon's right? going to win the Pac-12 this year. And I think in the long term, you look at the next five to seven years, because that's about as far out as you can reasonably project these days in college football. Over that span of time, I would put good money on Oregon being the most consistent and most prolific team in that conference. I, I hope you're right. I think Dan Lanning is going to, uh, you know, it's it's very similar to what is happening at Oklahoma with Brent Venables. You bring in a defensive-minded guy, you try and get tougher, you try and get more physical, and you still want to play exciting offense, obviously. Uh, and if they can do that, then they have a great chance uh, to, you know, become the dominant program there. It's I still think, and I've got a lot of respect for Kyle Whittingham, Whittingham in Utah. They've done a tremendous job, obviously. Um, but I, it's going to be a battle, I think, eventually between SC and Oregon. With Utah, again, maybe on the next tier, in my opinion. Uh, and, make, you know, that's always going to be a difficult game for the Ducks or, or SC. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see which philosophy wins out there in the Pac-12 down the road. So one of our listeners from the 918 says on the text line, eight teams is perfect, Power 5 conference champs, and three at-large teams. I think that is perfect right there. That is the format. Yeah, like I said, don't you think the SEC gets three in pretty much almost every year? I would think so. And it puts a premium on winning your conference. And as – more and more conferences do away with divisions and you know you're going to get the two top teams in the conference every single year playing for the conference title you're no longer going to have the potential for like an eight and five northwestern team to get in the playoff just because they won the big 10 that's no longer going to be a plausible path so it guarantees that winning the conference championship is going to mean something to that team that does claim the conference title but it's not gonna it's not gonna be an easy way in or a backdoor way in for a team that very obviously isn't deserving. I yeah, think do you want a group of five team in there? Uh, should they have the provision one group of five team? See, I no, I, I don't think so either I don't, because I don't think so. there I think aren't enough years when you can have Cincinnati was pretty darn good last year. Exactly. There's no, no doubt. Nobody would have look how many guys that they got yeah. drafted, right? But, you know, there aren't Cincinnati's out there every year. Nobody would have questioned last year that if you were in an eight-team playoff format and you had Mm -hmm. the five conference champions plus three at-large teams, Cincinnati would have been one of the three at-larges. And that's how it's got to be if you're a group of five team. you got to be good enough that you don't have an automatic bid, but that the selection committee can look at you and say – this is a capable enough team to go toe-to-toe with the elites of college football, and we can feel comfortable putting them in at large. What uh, Greg Sankey has said, and somebody just pointed out on the text line, and yeah, we talked about it earlier, that Greg Sankey said, yeah, we're open to an 18 playoff, we just don't want the automatic qualifiers. So, uh, and the SEC has the, uh, the biggest, uh, well, how can I put it? They've got the big stick right now is what they have. That's what the SEC <laughs> good, has. Good work they're, choice there, They're Mike. walking around like uh, Al Capone and the Untouchables. They've got the heavy lumber right now and the biggest voice. And, but all these, you know, the Alliance and the ACC, they don't like that. So they're trying to change, uh, you know, and try and keep it to four as long as they can. And the plan is through 2025 the way it's looking right now. But, yeah, Greg Sankey said, yeah, we, we would consider an 18 playoff. We wouldn't mind an 18 playoff. Just don't give us automatic qualifiers and we'll be good. Thumbs up to that. All right, we're going to break right here. 
Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Keep the text coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We're coming right back. All right, we are back uh, getting ready to wrap up hour number one. It is good to have you along on a Wednesday. I'm Mike Steely with Parker Thune. Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Got a uh, text message. Steelman, who were the biggest thorns in the Sooners' side uh, when you were growing up watching Oklahoma football? Uh, biggest thorns, probably the two biggest would be, uh, USC and Miami. Really? Miami back in the eighties. Okay. But they uh, were good. Yeah, they were good. But I, I guess just, you know, the, uh, the teams that both those teams are really good and the Sooners haven't beaten Southern Cal since I believe, right? 1971. And that was the year that Oklahoma beat them in Norman. And you had the tie out there. Oklahoma beat USC in, in the uh, the early mid sixties uh, when John McKay was still there. Um, and then you had SC beating OU, obviously 55 to 19. Although I believe that win was vacated officially, but I think USC is like six, two and one against Oklahoma. Uh, 55 to 19 in the, in the championship game was a disaster, obviously out. I can remember one year out in the Coliseum, the Marcus Allen team. It was John Major, the lefty quarterback transfer from Texas A&M rolling out and hitting uh, Fred Cornwell, the tight end in the corner of the end zone in the last couple minutes of the game to win that game. Then SC came to Oklahoma the next year and shut out OU, uh, in a game that was like 14 to nothing, something like that. So, but the Miami teams are always a problem, too, because of their speed on defense uh, and being able to uh, do a good job, uh, you know, slowing down Oklahoma's wishbone back in the day. And that Vinny Testaverde team that came in and had a workmanlike, very proficient win. That was the game where uh, Jerome Brown broke Troy Aikman's uh, leg. Jamel Holloway came in. Oklahoma ended up winning the national championship that year with Holloway leading the way. And uh, Miami went out. Remember, Miami showed up in the fatigues. They got off the airplane in Phoenix and lost to Penn State. And the Sooners uh, win uh, the uh, national champion. Or was that Tennessee the year that Oklahoma – because Oklahoma beat Penn State uh, in the Orange Bowl the year that Holloway uh, led the Sooners to the championship. But Miami, again, was a problem for OU back then, no doubt. Whether it was Vinny Testaverde or Steve Walsh or whoever at quarterback, so those would probably be the uh, the biggest two, I would think. And uh, Oklahoma, you know, they they beat Miami with uh, it was the Sam Bradford team that blew out that Miami team that came to Norman back in what two thousand seven, I believe it was. It had Calias Campbell and then Landry Jones lost to him. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Landry Jones. He and Whitney Hand are still together, right? As far as we know. That, yeah, they're married. Yeah, yeah I mean, but they've they, got, a, they've good, got a family. Good, 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 good. They're still together. Family values for Landry Jones, as always. And uh, Landry had what, like a five-year stint as uh, the backup in Pittsburgh? Wasn't it around uh, was that? It, was it that long? Or was it three I guess, years, no, I guess he years? was. I guess he was there for five whole years. It was close wild, to that, man. right? Yeah, and then he spent some time with the Raiders, with the Jaguars, yeah. and then was Bob's quarterback in Dallas the XFL. Re- I, Dallas Renegades. 
Uh, I haven't heard much from him since the XFL how's, shut down, though. How is uh, you know? I just I don't think any of these pro leagues are going to end up working. I just don't. I don't see it now. Vince McMahon getting involved. You know, he's he's got a pretty good uh, business mind and knows how to market stuff. But it's just difficult, man. It's hard to get into a sport that seems like it's out of season, doesn't it? And you're always going to have the hard I don't care, man. It's football, blocking, tackling, throwing the football around. Hell, sign me <laughs> up. You know, you're going to have a select few people like that. I just, uh, you know, I can't even remember when the USFL first came around. When you had Donnie Trump and you had Marcus Dupree and Doug Flutie and Jim Kelly. I mean, that lasted and it had a little bit of an impact, but it didn't last long enough. So, I don't know. I don't know uh, if there's ever going to be another league that's going to compete. The NFL is Godzilla right now, and uh, it seems like it's going to be that way for a while. Let's just hope that, to me, college football is, is my favorite sport. Uh, the NFL certainly is the most popular sport out there, but we love college football around here, and people love it around the country. Let's hope we don't mess it up because I think there's a chance that might happen. Hopefully – We'll figure things out and figure out how to pay the athletes and make sure that they can take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. You can't put a cap on how much money they're going to make, any of that stuff. But we've got to figure out a more equitable way uh, to curtail kind of what's going on right now, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure it out, I can tell you that. I mean, I'm somewhat brilliant, but I'm not extremely brilliant. It's you people on the text line that are extremely brilliant. Most of you, anyway. So keep the text rolling in. We've got another hour to go. Thank you, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour. We've got another hour to go. Keep it right here on The Ref. Jumping into hour number two here on a Wednesday. We're presented this hour by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. With a great guarantee after the sale, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, a big recruiting weekend coming up. Champion Barbecue uh, for Oklahoma and uh, uh, over 30 prospects coming into Norman beginning on Friday. And uh, you would think after, uh, you know, a couple weeks that you would see some commitments rolling in for the Sooners after that. Uh, Sooner fans have been patiently waiting, and uh, the waiting is the hardest part, right? So we'll see. Uh, also get a text. Parker, ask Parker if Oklahoma has been in on Ruben Owens, the running back from uh, Texas. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Black Unicorn. That's his nickname, the Black mm-hmm. Unicorn. Well, I, that's – I. I don't know if that's his nickname. That's what he's always him and his dad has always have always branded him as. Uh, there was a time where Ruben Owens was actually going to commit to the University of Oklahoma. OU offered Ruben Owens when he was a freshman in high school, and from the second I saw that dude's freshman tape, it was abundantly clear he's going to be the best running back in the 2023 cycle and maybe the best running back prospect in a long, long time. Mike, when we're talking about guys that get the five-star grade, mm-hmm. the projection therein is obviously that they're, that they're going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. Winner. Right. Over the last three or four classes since I started covering recruiting, I would say Ruben Owens is legitimately the only running back that I personally would have graded as a five-star. He is that dude. Unfortunately, 
that whole recruiting process came to be a bit of a headache. And, you know, the the term white elephant is kind of antiquated at this point. But do you know why the Oakland Athletics wore the white elephant logo on their sleeves for so many years? They might still, actually. I do not, but I've noticed it before, yes. Uh, I believe it was Leo DeRocher. It was somebody in the early uh, the earlier half of the 1900s, long, long ago. It might have been John McGraw, actually, now that I think about it. There was a manager of an opposing team, and I can't remember exactly who off the top of my head, but referred to Connie Mack and the A's as white elephants, which was a term that was at the time used to denote somebody or something that was more trouble than it was worth. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what Ruben Owens' recruitment became. Something that was more trouble than it was worth. Like, in what way? NIL, I, I'm going to let people connect the dots on this All right, one. So I mean, you're talking about, well, he's basically, most people feel like he's going to Texas, right? Well, no. A&M? His final, his final four schools right now are Texas, Texas A&M, TCU, and Louisville. More on that in just a second. But there was a time last January, in fact, where Ruben Owens was very, very close to committing to OU. Uh, things began to happen behind the scenes. The sands shifted, as it were, and Ruben Owens ended up turning around and committing to Texas a month later. Mm -hmm. That commitment was never going to last, and it didn't last for very long. I think he was committed there for maybe six weeks before he decommitted. His recruitment has been open ever since. And... They're shopping for a deal, is what you're telling me. Okay, well, yeah. I I wasn't going to say it, but... That's basically what's going on. You don't, you don't have to look far beyond the four schools that are the finalists for his commitment. All right, Texas is playing the NIL game. TCU is playing the NIL game. Lord knows A&M is shelling out NIL dollars left and right. And we talked about Louisville yesterday. Why is a school like Louisville in the final four for a kid like Ruben Owens? Mm. Well, it's because, as I mentioned yesterday, there is a common denominator between – Bourbon, horse racing, and Papa John's. There are two common denominators, actually. One is money. The other is the University of Louisville. Mm -hmm. That's why you saw DeAndre Moore commit to Louisville yesterday. That's why you see Louisville right now in the top 10 of the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings. Louisville is not a football program with prestige, Mike. Let's just call a spade a spade here. But in the age of NIL... You don't need prestige to compete in the recruiting landscape if you've got money to throw around. Yeah, that, there's no doubt. So, so Ruben Owens, would you, how would you compare Ruben Owens, the kid from El Campo, Texas, to Richard Young? Uh, is that a coin flip? Ruben it, Owens is the best running back in this class, and it's not close. Really? Yes. So, but you like Richard Young a lot. I like Richard Young a lot. Who would you compare Ruben Owens to? <laughs> DeMarco Murray. Really? He is the next DeMarco Murray. Wow. He's that good. Hmm. Now, like, believe me, that is a dude that talent-wise you would love to have. It's just that going through all that hassle, the recruiting process, there, it was very understandable when OU decided, you know what, we're going to go our separate ways with this kid. And was that with Brent or was it all the no, way back to Mule Shoe? No, that was all the way back to Muleshoe. That was last spring. That was spring of 2020. Wow. So Muleshoe actually had some, like, 
standards? Really? Basically said this isn't worth the trouble? Exactly. Of course, here's the deal. The, was the NIL kicking in at that time? It was on the precipice. Okay, so people knew it was coming at that. Like Spencer Rattler was lining up his deals because you you remember it. The NIL legislation took effect on July first, right? And that day, everybody was announcing their deals. Mm -hmm. So people were preparing for it long right. before it happened. So if Ruben Owens called up Muleshoe right now and said, "You know what? I really like SC. How do you think Muleshoe would handle it now?" Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? The man has no scruples. Of course, he'd take the call, and of course, he'd take him, right? All right. Uh, so, there you go. Let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Mike, could you please give me your best or top two or three best option quarterbacks of all time? Uh, what is the Colorado had a couple. Uh, Nebraska had a few. Please tell me your favorite. Um, option quarterbacks. For me, it would be uh, Jack Mildren, one, and Jamel Holloway, two. Colorado had uh, Darian Hagan, uh, was pretty good. Um, Darian Hagan, he's their running backs coach now. And I'm trying to think, uh, Nebraska Nebraska had uh, Tommy Frazier. I guess it was, you know, Turner Gill was an option quarterback, too, that was recruited. It looked like, I think the story on Turner Gill was that – Turner Gill, who turned it turned out to be part of the Nebraska triplets, that uh, with Mike Rozier, who won the Heisman, and Irving Fryer, the wide receiver, who was a high draft pick, and they lost. I heard Schoenberger beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, you know, uh, in that game where Nebraska went for two. They went for two. You know that, right. and Dr. Tom would have won a national championship if he'd kicked it, the extra point. You but think so? I think so. Uh, or at least shared it would be my opinion. But, you know, he went for two. Turner Gill's pass was off target to Jeff Smith, and Howard won his championship. But um, Turner Gill, who was a great baseball prospect too, you know, played baseball at Nebraska. He was from the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area and was recruited by Oklahoma. And there was a good – Oklahoma thought that they were going to land uh, Turner Gill. They sent Enos Seymour, the baseball coach, to be there for signing day. Enos was obviously the Sooners baseball coach. Love Enos. Great coach back in the day for the Sooners. But they couldn't find Turner Gill. Could not find him on signing day, and he ended up with Nebraska. So Nebraska basically kidnapped him pretty much is what happened. Uh, but, yeah, Turner Gill uh, had a shot at landing at the University of Oklahoma. Those would be the ones. I like Jack Milder because I think Jack could throw the football. Love Jack. We lost him way too soon. Uh, you remember the game of the century when Jack threw a couple touchdown passes to his buddy John Harrison, um, high school teammate. They both came to Oklahoma, obviously. But I would, I would lean towards Jack, number one. Thomas Lott, man, there were so many good ones. But the Sooners, Thomas Lott was unbelievable. You saw a lot of nerdy kids, you know, and in, in uh, you know grade school football and uh, above wearing bandanas because of Thomas Lott back in the day. Who's going to bring the option offense back? Who's going to bring it back? You know, school wise. I guess talking, hey, the service academies still kind of flirt with it. Yeah, they do. 
Nobody just runs a straight option offense. Man, the wishbone when it was working was such a cool, sexy offense back in the day. I mean, when you talk about J.C. Watts pitching the ball to Billy Sims 20 yards downfield in the Orange Bowl, or I just love watching the wishbone. I mean, and Oklahoma was the cool team back then, man. Joe Washington with his silver shoes. Bob Stoops painted his shoes silver there in the state of Ohio growing up playing football because of Joe Washington. Then, of course, got to play against the Sooners uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes, that famous picture where he's trying to tackle Billy Sims. But I don't know. I wonder, Barry Switzer has always said there just aren't enough disciples out there of the true triple option offense anymore. So, I don't know, the air, the, the academies, right? Yeah. Uh, Army, Navy, Air but Force. But even they are going away yeah. from it more and more. Yeah. It's increasingly becoming a dinosaur. Uh, one more text before we hit a break here from the text line. This listener wants to know, I love track athletes who play football. Nicholas Harbour is a freak athlete, 225 pounds, six foot five, who runs a 10.38. He actually runs faster than that. I think he clocked a 10.24 earlier this spring. Any chance of getting him on campus or is BV even going after him? Uh, no, that ship has sailed. But let me tell you, <laughs> that's why losing Jamar Kane sucked. Is because Nicholas Harbor would be committed to Oklahoma right now if Jamar Kane were still on staff. Yeah. That's, that, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt because Nicholas Harbor is going to be a dominant football player. If he decides to even play football, there's a chance he just goes the Olympic route and focuses on track. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, uh, the Sooners, I think they got a pretty good recruiter, though, in Todd Bates, too, right? They do, indeed. I mean, They're uh, going to be fine. well, well uh, known as one of the best recruiters out there. So, But I promise you, a couple years down the road, Sooner fans will look at what Nicholas Harbour is doing wherever he ends up and wonder, what if we'd have been able to get that guy in the Crimson Cream? It's a good name, too. Nicholas Harbor. All right, we got to take a break right here. And uh, when we get back, we will uh, get some more texts in, 405-651-3439. So the story of Reuben Owens continues. So you're saying he's going to get big bourbon, big pizza money from Louisville. He'll get coin wherever he goes. Yeah, Louisville, uh, when you drive into Louisville, there's a bourbon I don't want to say stench, but there's definitely – you can smell the bourbon, no <laughs> doubt about it. All right, that's why Howard coached there. Drew him right to Louisville. He just – All right, where's the bourbon? All right, we'll be right back. All right, we are back. It is me, Mike Steely, along with Parker Thune. It's Steelman and Thune at noon, well into the 1 o'clock hour. Our thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle, a car, truck, or SUV. And a tremendous guarantee after the sale. Oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. No additional cost is a very good thing. You don't get that a lot in life. Usually they tell you, hey, there's an additional cost here that we forget to tell you about, right? So no additional cost to you is a very good thing. Most people, again, most companies... They're trying to find out ways to give you an additional cost, right? Not the Seth Wadley Auto Group. No additional cost to you. None. Zero zilch. That's a heck of a deal. Uh, okay, so we were talking about uh, the Reuben Owen situation where you thought he was ready to commit to Oklahoma. Then the recruiting got very interesting. And uh, right around the time that NIL came around and Oklahoma 
basically you're saying the Sooners kind of washed their hands of Ruben Owens and just said, nah, probably not worth it. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. We'll uh, okay. find somebody else. So in your time covering recruiting, who have been the most wishy-washy, uh, mysterious recruits out there? Kamar Wheaton would be one? Kamar, well, no, Kamar Wheaton wasn't wishy-washy. He just didn't talk to anybody. Like, not even his coaches. Like, you could call the CIA and get somebody to answer the phone before you could get a hold of Kamar Wheaton, pretty much, right? Yes. Yes. I remember meeting him one time when Caleb Williams brought his whole – it was – I forget what he what it was even called now. Sooner Summit, that's what it was called. In August of 2020, we were in the middle of the pandemic, but he brought a whole bunch of dudes up, and uh, we met him. We did interviews with him. Even trying to talk to Kamar Wheaton face-to-face, like, he would give you two words, and that'd be it. Like, really? Was he just shy? Or just, did, yeah, I mean... just very, very shy. Very reserved. Hmm. More so than I've ever seen with anybody else. Uh, the most wishy-washy. That's a good question. I'm trying to think. The one that always – the people, the one that people are going to cite for years in the future is the Tristan Lee recruitment. When he told everybody, including his – future roommate Caleb Williams that he was coming to Oklahoma only for everybody to find out on the day of his announcement that he'd signed two weeks earlier with Clemson and OU and all the other schools. That was bizarre. Yeah, OU and all the other schools that had still been recruiting Tristan Lee had committed secondary recruiting violations because they didn't know that he had signed. That is that's so crazy. So he, he lied to a lot of people. Uh, that was an interesting one. The wishy-washy ones – those are always the ones that Oklahoma doesn't end up with, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Jordan Hudson was very wishy-washy. That was the wide receiver who was committed, and he's committed to SMU. Is that right? No, TCU. Jordan. He, he oh, okay. TCU. He was committed to SMU ah, for some so, time, and then the staff left, as you recall. The whole oh, SMU that's staff right. went to TCU. And he went with them. Now, he was part of that uh, trio of receivers that were committed to OU. Is that right? Yes. It was Hudson, Talon, Shetron, and Luther, Luther Burden. Burden. Yep. Generally, it's the uh, it's the skill position guys that are the wishy-washy ones. The wide receivers and the running backs. Because, you know, they're all about themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not trying to stereotype. It's not that way for everybody. I don't want to make it seem like it is. There are some guys that are really straightforward, super nice guys, and just get it. They play that skill position. I loved covering Javante Barnes. Mm-hmm. Javante Barnes was as honest, as straightforward, and as mature as they come. But generally, when you have the squeaky wheels, <laughs> a Jai Hall, for instance, they're running backs and wide receivers. Uh, Jojo Earl flipped on signing day from LSU to Alabama. I remember that was a wild one. What was that? That was that was a year after Jace McClellan. Do you get any? Fiasco. Have you dealt with any helicopter parents that are just oh, hovering yeah. all the time? Oh yeah. Who's and, been the worst one? Has there been another Jerry Bomar or Marv Marinovich out there? Oh no, but the vast majority. And I'm not going to say every quarterback parent is like this, but the vast majority of quarterbacks' parents are like that. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's genetics or what factors into it, but so many of those quarterbacks' parents are just next level invested in their kid. Well, and the probably where- they were formerly like uh, Uncle Rico, right? You know, <laughs> yes, exactly. dreams that were dashed. A lot of Uncle even Ricos. Though they, yeah, they, even though they 
They didn't get in at State, but their kid is now coming up, and he's a five-star, so they're going to be hovering all over yes, everything. A lot, lot of those quarterback parents are trying to live vicariously through their kids. The ones that get it, they mm-hmm. get it, and their kids are very successful. But even even they, there are even some really, really successful quarterbacks whose parents get a little too close to the action. Who's the coolest quarterback's kid's dad that you've been around, if you had to name one? Huh. Mark Marinovich notoriously wouldn't let Todd eat a Twinkie. You know, if you deny a child a Twinkie, guess what? He's going to end up doing major doobage and end up in drug rehab later in life. Now, apparently, Todd Marinovich got it together, but that was an extreme. Major doobage. Was he at Tyler Juco with General Booty? No, uh, he was, of course, at SC, and then he went on to quarterback. He was with the Raiders for a while, right? But he was supposed to be a superstar. But Marv Marinovich was apparently the uh, the ultimate helicopter dad back in the day. Major Dubage. <laughs> yes, General Booty and Major Dubage. What a combo that would be. Okay. I'm That's to- when it, uh, you couldn't smoke that stuff. It wasn't legal, you know. There was no such thing as medical Dubage. Yeah, you know who's got two really cool parents, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to any Sooner fans that have gotten to know him or his family, but Nick Evers. Yeah, they look, man, that family, they got it going on because Nick Evers, already what he's done with his NIL, that kid's trying to make a difference. He obviously was raised big time. Big time, no doubt about it. You're you're right, uh, because I remember seeing some of the stuff they're tweeted out. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this kid's already doing this. He's so far ahead of the game, mature-wise, and uh, he gets it. And usually that's a lot of the parents doing, no doubt about it. I'm trying to remember, um, you know, when I was covering recruiting way back in my day, in the covered wagon days where we had uh, phones that had cords attached to them, you had to call the high school and try and get people on the line. And what I found was the coach was going to tell you, very rarely would you say this coach, ah, you know, he's, they're always trying to sell the kid. And usually, you know, unless there's a major issue, I get that for a high school coach. Oh, yeah, he's the best we've ever had here. He, yep, he's great. You know, I mean, they always gave you everything was positive. Whoa. But it was always difficult once you got what's up. Uh-oh. This is noteworthy. Sorry, I just – I'm Uh-oh. sorry to throw you off no, your train no, no, of thought no. there. It was an average story anyway. Apparently, Jimbo Fisher is doing an interview, a press conference, something like that right now. And regarding future permanent opponents, this comes per a tweet from Brett McMurphy one minute ago. Jimbo F- Fisher allegedly said, I would love to play Texas. Really? Ah, there you go. So what? that would be his one permanent opponent, huh? A&M and Tech. Oh, man. Wow. This is going to get juicy real quick. Wow. Because, you know, there are those in the Texas A&M corner that do not want to play Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, as- no. Because, like I said, A&M's infatuated with Texas. Their entire fight song is about the University of Texas. And that's why they went to the SEC. They can make more money, yes, but being out of Texas is a shadow and kind of having their own thing. And now they're back. So that that kind of surprises me a little bit. Wow. Wow. Jimbo Fisher 
It's going out on a limb. Do you think that name dropping Texas? Do you think there's some A and M officials that are go, hey Jimbo? Um, <laughs> the SID probably cut the mic can immediately. We, uh, can we see you in the uh, who's the AD there? I forgot the Ross something right. Ross Bjork. Bjork. Bro, Jimbo's just unchained these Dude, last couple weeks. Jimbo, Jimbo unchained. Was on wasn't, it, wasn't that a Quentin Tarantino movie, Jimbo Unchained? No, it was Django <laughs> Unchained. That's right. But Jimbo is unchained. Yeah, it's he's crazy. But I don't know if Jimbo's on a power trip or if he's just like riding the high of signing the number one class in the history of recruiting. But he knows Jimbo don't care anymore. Jimbo knows, man. He's got an arsenal because he's got they've got stacks of money there in College Station that they haven't even thought about using yet. That's why. So, unless somebody ropes in NIL and uh, gets some regulations out there, Jimbo's probably going to keep speaking like this. But there have got to be some people at A&M that are thinking, um, is there any way we can get Jimbo in the back offices over here? Yeah, Till. Yeah. I, I understand. I saw it all over Facebook. We need Jimbo up here in room 212 in the next 15 minutes, all right? We need to talk to him. There, probably that phone call's being made right now. To the SID or somebody, right? Wow. I wonder what this is going to turn into the remainder of the afternoon. But who should A&M's permanent opponent be? I mean, it would make sense. I mean, they've kind of got a little bit of a rivalry with LSU, a little bit, I guess. But I don't know. But Oklahoma and Texas should be, if you're going with the, you know, the one common opponent, it's Oklahoma and Texas, obviously. But, yeah, it's – I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go over. I'm sure there will be a lot of Aggie fans, you know, how people are on social media. They'll say, yeah, bring him on. But uh, I don't know how the uh, the high-ranking officials at A&M would feel about that. By the way, he and Nick Saban crossed paths yesterday, of course, but they didn't see each other. Yeah. Apparently he got asked about Nick Saban again. And? Uh, oh, because it's the SEC meetings. That's what's going on. Uh, apparently he said – 13 minutes ago, also per Brett McMurphy. Jimbo Fisher on comments between him and Nick Saban. It's over with. We're done talking about it. There are a lot more pressing needs. Hmm. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm sure that uh, if there's any audio out there, Tyler's probably all over that right now, and we'll probably uh, get a little bit of that. If it's available somewhere, Tyler will find it. He, he's, he's a, uh, he excavates audio. We are audio ontologists or paleontologists. We try and dig up as much audio as we can. <laughs> and if it's available out there, he'll find it. I was looking for the proper word there, and I couldn't find it. All right, we're going to take a break right here. We've got some interesting uh, text coming in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Making major doobage my gamer tag when I get home. I have no choice. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, good luck with that. We'll be right back. All right. We're back here on a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thumb. I'm still laughing about the dude on the text line. I'm going to make major doobage my gamer tag, man. All I said was the word was Todd Marinovich was this can't-miss recruit, went to Southern Cal, played in the NFL for a while. Big, tall, redheaded. Uh, was he a lefty? I'm trying to remember. Was that Marinovich? 
Todd Marinovich. I don't think he was a lefty. It was a, Paul McDonald may have been the lefty from SC. Anyway, his dad notoriously was known as the ultimate helicopter dad, Marv Marinovich, would not let a young Todd even eat a Twinkie or anything sugary. And I said that led to major problems later, later in life, like major doobage and rehab for Todd Marinovich. And uh, apparently he's, he's doing a lot better now. I, I saw a piece on him on, like, was it like Real Sports a long time ago where he's like an artist and stuff like that. But somebody on the text line, I'm going to make my new gamer name Major Doobage. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, if General Booty, by the way, and somebody asked me, This is a setup uh, coming to me on Twitter. Steely, what are your impressions of General Booty? I'm not going to type anything in or, you know, respond on Twitter. I'll just say I am happily married. I haven't scouted General Booty in years. Okay? (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. This is an outstanding text from the Air Comfort Solutions text line. So I was at Branson Landing the other day wearing an OU shirt, and a guy walks by and says, Boomer. So I naturally say, Sooner. And then he goes, General. It didn't register with me for a second. Then I realized what he meant, so I said, <laughs> booty. People walking by looked at me weird. Oh, that should be the new thing. I like that. <laughs> Boomer! Did the, uh, did the officers show General. up wherever you were? Branson Landing? That's funny. I like it. So, there's been uh, Alabama had Major Ogilvy. Texas had Major Applewhite, who was named after Major Ogilvy. You also had, wasn't Major Harris at West Virginia? Um, I don't know. Can the Sooners recruit another military themed like wide receiver to play with General Booty? And one of the, cha- you actually think that General Booty is a late bloomer and could be a factor down the road. Not even a late bloomer. I just think he was overlooked as a recruit. And it had a lot to do with the fact that his family moved, I think, three times while he was in high school. So he never really had a chance to settle in at one place and get noticed. So go watch the tape, whether it's his senior year at Allen High School or his season at Tyler Junior College. The kid can move. He can throw the ball. Only thing I really worry about is he needs to get a little bit quicker on the draw. He needs to be able to release the ball a little bit faster. If he can do that, this is a guy that can start for Oklahoma down the line. Can you imagine the Heisman ceremony oh if they goodness. had to announce in the winner <laughs> is General Booty. Heisman Trophy winner, General that Booty. Dude, I'm telling you, if he stars with that name, the NIL deals are going to be – they should be right now. He should be getting some NIL money. Right? You're talking about... And he should have his own gene company. You're talking about General Booty? Yes. A gene company? Yeah. I was thinking... General Booty Jeans. <laughs> I Apparently, we're going to be offering General Booty shorts at some point down the line. Yeah. But I, those haven't hit the ref store yet. Ah, that's a good idea. All right. We have Major Major Melson. We do. Major Melson. Okay. Son of yeah. former OU quarterback Chris Melson. Chris Melson. That's right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I can't read. I can't read so so many of these. The text line, anytime we talk about General Booty, Come the text on, line just 918, you really think we can read that, 918? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happens when we have quarterback struggles and crowd starts chanting, we want booty? Mm-hmm. Napoleon Kaufman, yeah, he was a good player. That's a good one. Steelman should be proud to know I followed him from the Tulsa market just to listen to him every day. Thankful. 
<laughs> That's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's a sincere text amidst all that the is booty very, jokes. Very. Let's call the defense corporal punishment. All right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, there's a "How I Met Your Mother" episode about this <laughs> corporal punishment. Have you seen How I Met Your Mother? I've never seen. Uh, see, that's I, the one with Jason Segel, right? That's right. And, yeah, Jason uh, Segel. Doogie Howser, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, Neil Patrick Harris. I heard it was uh, really good. but it, it, it is really good. It's an outstanding sitcom, and I reference it a lot on this show. So, What are the early indications of how improved OU players will be physically over last year? I'll tell you what, I saw Jordan Kelly today at OU team camp. Jordan Kelly looks like a different dude, man. Really? That is that is body by Schmidt right there with Jordan Kelly. And he's just getting warmed up, Jerry Schmitz. Even Kobe McKenzie, I saw him as well, and he, he's only spent one semester on campus. He's mm-hmm. just a yeah, he's entering his true freshman season. He looks as though he's put on some good weight since he got around uh, to coming to Norman. Uh, could be another big-time linebacker at Oklahoma. That that young uh, group of linebackers, when you talk about Danny Stutzman and uh, Jaron Kanick, who's going to play a lot of the cheetah position, obviously, um, they could be special. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, somebody asked, okay, this came, uh, DM. Somebody's trying to cheat the system. They're going straight into the DMs. Steel Man, we all need help in life. Who were the broadcasters who helped you early in your career? Hmm. Interesting question. Well, uh, I started uh, my sophomore year at OU. I came out here when it was KNOR and volunteered, said, put me to work. And uh, there were people here that helped me a lot. Dick Pryor was one. Uh guy named Tim Gregg was one who was the sports director. James Hale helped me out when he was here uh, back in the 80s. Uh, Tim Stevenson, who was Bob Stevenson's son, um, you know, uh, helped me learn some play-by-play, and they, they just helped me out a lot. Uh, although I nearly got fired. I'll tell you that story here in a minute. Uh, Mike Treps helped me out a lot, former OUSID. Learned a lot from Mike Treps. Um, Dean Blevins helped me a lot. And Al Eschbach, uh a big time. Al helped me out immensely early on. And uh, because Al came over here to the when it was originally uh, WWLS eventually moved out. But at the same time, he was over here in the studio for a while. I can remember doing, when he was on vacation, Spencer Tillman and I were doing his show. Uh, Bill Jackson in Wichita Falls helped me out a lot. Those would be some names. that And, and like I said, Dean helped me a, a bunch also. Let me do half times when they were doing he and Bill Lamb were doing the all college uh, basketball tournament and Dean let me handle the halftime stuff and I get to interview Pete Maravich and this was months before he passed which was a really cool deal so those would be some names I would throw out there I've been very fortunate there's no doubt but here's I nearly got fired very early on here here's what happened Mike Traps a lot of you if you're old enough as me you remember most sooner fans remember Mike Traps longtime SID did color commentary with John Brooks for years did play-by-play for a while Mike did OU baseball also uh, big Cubs fan Mike Traps and uh, you know go Joe go the famous call he had in the Missouri game 
So Mike did, Mike Treps had a show out here, and I've told you a couple stories about, like, Mike had Mac Brown out here and how cool and nice and friendly Mac Brown was when he came on the Mike Treps show when he was here for his one season as OU's offensive coordinator. But my first couple months on the job, I was doing going out to get audio, high school audio, and learning the ropes. wasn't getting paid anything, but I loved it. I thought, man, this is great. So they called me one day, and Mike Treps's show was going to be on remote out at Johnny's Mexican Food over on Barry Road. And they said, they called me. I answered the phone at the Lambda Kai house. I can still remember. Can you go set up Mike Treps remote? The guy that sets it up is not feeling well. Anyway, you can go set up the Marty unit for Mike Treps remote. I'd never done that before, but I said, sure, yeah, I'll do it. So I came over here. Learned how to take the Marty out there, how to turn it on and get Mike Trips ready to go. So I go out, set up the Marty unit. Everything's good. Uh, check back. You had to call the station. Yeah, sounds good. Everything's good. Ready to go. Mike gets there. I, you know, at that time, that's the first time I met Mike, actually. And later I would run the board for his show, introduce myself. I said, hey, you're all ready to go. You know, blah, blah, blah. Shook hands. Mike was super nice. Went into his first segment and I left. Next day, I get a call from the uh, then sports information director, one of the names I mentioned, Tim Gregg. Mike. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, what's going on? He called me over at the fraternity house. It was really early in the morning, about 8 a.m. That's really early for me in college days. What happened last night? I said, what do you mean what happened? Well, John's talking about firing you. I'm like, for what? You didn't bring the equipment back from Johnny's. I'm like, what? They said set up the equipment, not bring back the equipment. So I had never set up a remote ever in my life. And they literally said, can you go out and set up my traps equipment for him? I'm just an idiot college kid, just learning the ropes. So I go out, set it up, got it. Mike traps is on the air. Boom, I'm leave. Go do my normal college activities that night. And then the next day, I was very close to being fired. And I was like, I'm like, Tim, I had no idea. Nobody told me to bring it back. I didn't know. He goes, oh, yeah, if you take stuff to a remote, you're supposed to, you know, pack it up and bring it back to the station. I'm like, I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, they just said, can you set up Mike's equipment for him? Nobody said anything about bringing it back. I was under the assumption I was a real idiot that, yeah, Mike Treps will take it back to the station. No, Mike Treps was, was too big to do that. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but the guy who sets up the remote usually back in the day would take it back. But I had no idea. And all of a sudden, I'm about to be fired. I'm not even getting paid. Well, John's talking about letting you go. And I'm like, why? You know. And he said, well, you didn't bring the equipment back. And I'm like, uh, nobody told me to bring the equipment back. So luckily, I was able to survive, and thus this brilliant regional radio star that's sitting here was able to survive a near dismissal early on in his career. And that's my story. It's true. It's true. It's true. We shall return with one more award-winning segment next right here on The Ref. Keep it here. Okay, get ready to get locked in at the top of the hour with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas. It's a straight hour 
of uh, Sooner Recruiting and Football News for you coming up at the top of the hour right here on The Ref. Uh, by the way, Riverwind Casino, uh, I took the lovely Shay. We went out and saw uh, Night Ranger and Starship along with uh, Shay's brother and uh, his wife and some friends of ours. We had a great time at Beats and Bites. First show of the season, which was, again, Starship followed by Night Ranger. Night Ranger was very, very... Impressed with the turnout on their official uh, Twitter account. They uh, they shot a picture from stage 10,000 on hand for the uh, show. And uh, Night Ranger, I think, was pretty pleased with that. So next up for Beats and Bites 2022, where you can go out and hear some great music, enjoy all the great local food trucks, uh, retail vendors are out there, great craft beer from uh, Coop Ale Works. Next up, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something on June 18th. And then two shows in July, the Randy Rogers Band, July 9th. There'll be a fireworks show to follow the Randy Rogers Band appearance on the Beats and Bites stage on July 9th. That'll be awesome. And then on July 30th, Scotty McCreary will be on the Beats and Bites stage out at Riverwind Casino. You can get all of your tickets online right now, or if you're going to the casino, you can get them at the box office right there by the Showplace Theater, but you can get them online for all these shows, Everclear, Sister Hazel, Deep Blue Something, on the stage June 18th, Randy Rogers Band July 9th, and the Scotty McCreary Show on July 30th. Get them online at riverwind.com. That is at riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. Heck of a, heck of a deal. Great bargain and a great time out there at Riverwind Casino. Uh, do you want to try and get some tweets in some texts in uh let's let's go to the air comfort solutions text line kendall wants to know steely are there any clips floating around from when you were on tv oh man i don't know to be honest with you i you know i'm not a big save the stuff kind of guy i never have been uh my mom probably has some she you know she's kept some things over the years but i've never been you know i first of all i had to dress up in tv that's why i left tv because you have to wear a suit and tie every day pretty much and i decided now too much too much powder too much coat and tie not enough hoodie and sweatpants so that really and truly is why i left television i didn't like dressing up all the time and getting your hair done, you know, that's I just not me. But I don't think there are. Um, I I just can't think of any, like, on YouTube or anything. I just didn't, I, like I said, I never got into uh, keeping a lot of stuff like that. Just never did. So, uh, you know, not that I didn't enjoy it. I had some good friends, uh, you know, uh, that I worked with, uh, you know, at Fox and, uh, you know, uh, Tim Money was one of them, uh, still around the market. Great dude, super dude. Um, but And I've got a lot of respect for people that do television, too, because, you know, it's – you just see, you know, they get three minutes, depending on how the severe weather is, and then you might get cut entirely, which I understand. But a lot of those guys shoot their own stuff and, and go out like, you know, Dylan and Nate Fakin and guys like that. Um, but anyway, but I no, I, I can't think – of any video out there you don't want to see me anyway it's not a pleasant sight what did your tie repertoire look like how many ties did you own i probably had about 35 at one time when i had you know you used to get a clothing allowance i'm sure they still get a clothing yeah they do that was that was always cool to go out and pick out your own clothes and you'd have you know i think and Last one I had was like six thousand or something. So you could get a you know a couple decent suits for that. Really nice suits for that. 
That's 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 a yeah. sizable clothing allowance right yeah, there. Yeah, um, so that was cool. That was cool. Uh, are you not going to do any TV? Are you more yeah, in this role? We'll, not sure. We'll see where life takes me, Mike. I I, I love TV. Mm-hmm. I uh, did quite a bit of TV in undergrad, and so it's an avenue I'm always open to. But I'm just guessing. I bet you have a good camera presence about you. You're well ahead of the game. I will say that. There's no doubt. Well ahead of the game. That's why you're a five-star. All right. Uh, but, again, you might get tired of the makeup and the, uh, you know, it's very relaxing. I love dressing up every day. That's the do thing. You? Like A lot of people hate dressing up every day. I loved it. That's, I would do that every day if I could. That's what I put my uh, LOR, letter of resignation. I'm tired of dressing <laughs> up. I'm out of here. Yours truly, Mike Steely. And we're out of here for a Wednesday. Locked in is coming up next. See you guys.